Many times in my lifetime, I said to the Lord, you want me? Why? Why? You want me to represent you? You want me to lead others to you? I know you know me better than I know myself, but I can't believe that you're calling me. And so we see in the parasha that same feeling. In Exodus 3, God speaking to Moses, in verse 10, he says, Come now, I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, B'nai Yisrael, out from Egypt. In verse 11, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring B'nai Yisrael out of Egypt? I mean, that's the question. Why me? God, I'm not the right person for the job. I have no skills for this job, no qualifications for this job. I killed a guard. Uh, nobody will accept me, not the Egyptians, not the Israelis. Nobody. Verse 12. So he said, meaning God said, I will surely be with you so that you will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And maybe Moses was saying, well, okay, I know that at some level you've been with me all my lifetime. When I get it right, when I blow it, either way, you're with me, I get that. But Moses said to God, suppose I go to B'nai Yisrael and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What should I say to them? I don't even know your name. What will people think? Ugh. That's really what he was saying. What will people think? Or I'm scared of their reaction. Can you relate to Moses? Do you have excuses for not sharing your faith? So in verse 14, God answered Moses, I am who I am. Then he said, you are to say to B'nai Yisrael, I am has sent me to you. Then in verse 15, God also said to Moses, you are to say to B'nai Yisrael, Adonai, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever and the name by which I should be remembered from generation to generation. So God answers Moses' objection and tells Moses, okay, I answered your objection, now Go. And that's what he says in verse 16. Go now, gather the elders of Israel together, say to them, Adonai, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have been paying close attention to you and have seen what is done to you in Egypt, so I promise I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites and Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. 
They will listen to your voice. So you will go, you along with the elders to, of Israel, to the king of Egypt and say to him, Adonai, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Now please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so that we may sacrifice to Adonai our God. So God is giving him a rundown of what's about to happen. And then he lowers the hammer and says, nevertheless, I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go except by a, a mighty hand. So I'll stretch out my hand and like uh, strike Egypt with all my wonders that I will do in the midst of it. And that then he will let you go. Then I shall grant these people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians. So it will happen that when you go, you will not leave empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house for silver and gold, jewelry and clothing. You will put them on your sons and your daughters, so you will plunder the Egyptians. The short version of what I just read is... Things are going to be difficult. Things are not going to go the way you'd like them to go. But in the end, not only are you going to get out of Egypt, but you're going to get out with blessings that will be given to you by the Egyptians. Okay. Now, Moses had a problem with faith. That's the only way I see it. He saw the miracle of the burning bush, right? And he understood he was talking to God, but that was not enough for him. It just wasn't. And it's often, you know, we see things we know. We, if you ask us, do you know God personally? And you, yeah, oh yeah. You know, I meet with him every morning. Is that enough for you to share your faith? I don't know. Exodus 4, 1, then Moses said, but look, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. They will say, Adonai has not appeared to you. Isn't that what people will say to us? Come on. Are you saying you've seen God? Are you saying you talk to God? I mean, it's the same thing, right? God does two miracles with Moses' staff. The first, which is turning the staff into a snake. And then the second is the hand becoming uh, filled with leprosy and then healing it. Now, this is the great leader, Moses. He sees these two more miracles and still has doubts that God should use him for this humongous task. Here's his next excuse. But Moses said to Adonai, Adonai, I'm not a man of words, not yesterday, not the day before, since, nor since you have spoken to your servant, because I have a slow mouth and a heavy tongue. So basically he's saying, God, I don't speak well. I have a speech impediment. And uh, I don't know, it seemed like Moses was talking fine to God. <laughs> Didn't seem to have a problem stating his case to God, but be that as it may. So in verse 11, Adonai said to him, who made man's mouth? Who, 
who makes a man mute or deaf, seen or blind? Is it not I, Adonai? Now go, I will be with your mouth and teach you what to say. God's saying, hey, listen, I'll take care of it. Just go. Moses <laughs> says, he's run out of excuses, and so now he's just going to beg. Please, please send it by another hand, Moses says. Please send someone else. Then the anger of Adonai was kindled against Moses. So here you and I are, and we're talking about sharing our faith. And we have all these reasons why we can't, we can't do it. There are, there are so many reasons. All of us have different reasons. This isn't, there's nothing new here, okay? The excuse is, well, I'm too busy, I can't do it now, I'm in the middle of something, I haven't studied enough, so I'm not ready, I'm too old, I'm too young, I get scared talking to people, my faith is not strong enough, I won't know the answers to their questions. But that's not how God calls you. Yeah, you should do all the work that you should, that you can to prepare, but God just calls you. Jeremiah 19, 14 and 15. It's an interesting passage into Jeremiah 20. Then Jeremiah came from Topeth, where Adonai had sent him to prophesy, and he stood up at the court of Adonai's house and said to all the people, thus says Adonai Tzavot, the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, I am about to bring on this city and on all the towns the whole disaster that I pronounced against it because they stiffened their neck rather than hearing my words. And then in Jeremiah, it, it goes from there to Jeremiah 21 and 2, when Peshur, son of Emir the, the Kohen, which is the priest, who was chief officer in the house of Adonai, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things. Pashur had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper Benjamin gate by the house of Adonai. See, some people, we, we, we are blessed. Because for the most part, nobody is beating us for speaking about God. And though... In other countries, that happens. People get killed. But for us, we're okay. Now, he was released the next day. And the next prophecy we won't read, but it was even worse than the last prophecy. That it was, uh, you know, so it, it probably got them infuriated. But then, Jeremiah says this to Adonai. You enticed me. So I was enticed. You overpowered me and prevailed. I'm a laughing stock all day long. Everyone mocks me. In other words, you, you kind of forced me into this. This sharing thing, this prophesying. It's your fault that I am now the laughing stock of everybody. They're all laughing at me. 
For whenever I speak, I cry out, I proclaim violence and ruin. Yeah, not a great message. We, we at least are talking about the good news. He's talking about violence and, and, and ruin. For the word of Adonai is scorn and ridicule to me all day long. I've been prophesying what you told me to say, violence and ruin. People laugh and ridicule me. But here's the verse. But if I say I won't mention him or speak any more in his name, then it is like fire burning in my heart. Shut up in my bones. I weary myself holding it in, but I cannot. I will continue to speak about you, Lord, and all that you want me to say, I will say regardless. It's, look, Jeremiah then talks about how cursed he was when he was born. And finally, in verse 18, Jeremiah says, What did I ever come forth out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and my days end in shame? And, and the thing is, he obeyed God and spoke on his behalf. Look, when we speak, we can see it as joy or we can see it just as hardship. Another, you know, Jonah saw it as hardship, right? He uh, has this plan that he's given by God to go to Nineveh to share all about God, and he's running away. So the, we know the big fish swallows him up, spits him out, and he's on his way to Nineveh, really against what he wants to do, and all of a sudden we see the largest revival in Scripture. All of Nineveh accepts the Lord. And, but Jonah had no joy, no peace, and he had no joy even in seeing them believe. He had no joy, period. Now, we are called to speak, but we're also called to have joy, to rejoice always. And so, when we share, we need to learn to enjoy it and chill out a bit. In other words, when we share, let's be a little less intense and just listen to what God is telling us to say and the way we are supposed to say it rather than doing our shtick. So in Matthew 26, 33, Peter replied to Yeshua, Though all fall away because of you, I'll never fall away. Yeshua said to him, Truly I tell you this very night, before a rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Even if I must die with you, Peter says to him, I'll never deny you. And so said all the disciples. But we know the story. He does deny Yeshua three times. He doesn't have the strength. He doesn't have what it takes to just say, I believe 
that Yeshua is Lord and Messiah. Has no strength. So what changes? Well, we know. We know what changes. But let me just say, this, this is the same thing. You know, sometimes we think, well, we're in the Messianic movement, so it's really hard to share. Hey, it's been hard to share for thousands of years. So 1 Peter 2.9 says this, We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? Why are we who we are? So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is our calling. That is what God is asking for from us. And we have to decide if we've been given the tools to be strong enough to say, yes, Hineni, here am I. So the question is, will we obey? Now, another, before we get towards the end, Yeshua has another challenge for us in Matthew 21. Verses 28 through 31, now what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go work in the vineyard today. The son answered, I won't. But afterward, he had a change of heart and went. The man went to the second son and said the same thing. But he answered, I will, sir, and didn't go. Which of the two did the will of the father? The one who did the work, not the one who spoke. The one who did the work. In Acts 2, the Spirit of God fell on the Jewish people, including Peter. And Peter, the one who didn't have the strength, who was denied, who denied Yeshua three times, spoke and 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. So what happened? This shows us that the people of that time were normal people like you and me. But the defining moment was the Spirit of God falling upon the people and obviously Peter as well. You have to decide if the Spirit of God has fallen on you. Do you recognize the Spirit of God working in you? Because with that, we are to go forward and to share our faith. Matthew 21, verses 31 and 32. Yeshua said to them, Amen, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are going ahead of you into the kingdom of God. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did believe him, and even after you saw this, you had no change of heart to believe him. It's all about our heart, but our heart looks like something. 
you can say that God has affected your heart, but if you don't do the fruit, then how much has he affected your heart? We've been told to obey God and share our faith with everyone. We have an opportunity. It's not our only opportunity of the year, but we have an opportunity where we can bring light into darkness. The Gasparilla Parades, next week, next Saturday, and the following Saturday, the first one's the Children's Parade, the next one's the Adult Parade, they're both pretty adult, to be honest, but at any rate, we have the opportunity to bring light to darkness. There is a lot of darkness at the Gasparilla Parade. And for a number of years, we missed it because of COVID a couple years, but we're back. There have been times where we had as many as 75 people out sharing their faith. I would ask you to set aside, it's, it's difficult, I realize there are all sorts of problems. Saturday afternoon, after services, whether you come to Saturday service or don't come to Saturday service, that's not really the issue. The issue is Saturday afternoon, and can I spend my Saturday afternoon that way? And you can say, well, I can't be on my feet that long, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. There are always reasons not to be involved. But there are things that you can do no matter who you are. That goes for the people on Facebook as well. Not just the people who are here in the congregation. Many of you are not even part of our congregation in this sense. And yet we're still inviting you to join us. This one will not be a Facebook opportunity. This is actually, you have to be there live. So what are the things that we need? Three things. We need people to share their faith. If we have enough people, we, have, we put people at different places along the parade route. I read this week that they're expecting 300,000 people. When's the last time 300,000 people were at your disposal to share with? So a lot of us will wear our sharing shirts and people who are Jewish or who can read Hebrew will ask us about them and they'll, they'll say, hey, I know what that means. And we have all sorts of interesting conversations. We put up a prayer tent. Um, one of the churches on the parade route allows us to put up a tent on their property. I, on their driveway, which leads right into the parade. And we pray for people. We ask people if they want prayer. We hand out a cute little bookmark, which has the plan of salvation, but it also says why we pray, and it has a cute picture and everything like that. It doesn't look like your normal track. Second thing we have is we, we need people to drive because there's no place to park. Well, actually, there are a couple places to park, but most people will not get there. 
Donna and I will get there because it's by the, the tent that we set up. But um, we need to drive people to the different parts of the parade. Okay? Because there's really very little parking. And so we need them to not only drive, but to pick up at a, at a certain time. And then we need to have people who are our prayer covering. So we're going to have people praying here at Shoresh together as a covering so that we will see God's plan unfold because we have a prayer covering. The actual parade this next Saturday, not tomorrow, but the following Saturday, the children's parade starts later, but we're going to be there a hair earlier. And it goes actually to 6.30. We're mentioning that it would be nice if you stay till 5. So that would be great. But um, it actually stays, I think, to uh, 6.30 because then there are fireworks and the kids love the fireworks and so on. So, but if you can spare a few hours for that afternoon, um, we would really appreciate it. But I really believe more than us appreciating it, I believe God would have you do it. On the following Saturday, the second Gasparilla, that starts early. And we'll get there a little late, but it'll still be plenty of time to share. We might not have 300,000 that day that we can pray with, maybe just 200,000 because we're going to be late. So I'd ask everybody to sign up. You can sign up on our app, which we talked about earlier. Register on our app. Or if you like the old-fashioned way, you can take a pen and sign up on the registration forms that are in the foyer. Either way, love for you to do it. I would be unfeeling if I spoke about all of this and didn't ask if there was anybody here or on Facebook Live who does not know Yeshua, who needs to come because it's the greatest gift you'll ever get. Because your sins will be washed clean. Because you will develop a relationship with the master of the universe that you could only do through Yeshua. So I'm asking for you to proclaim and declare that Yeshua is your Lord. So I would just ask you, and, and this is really to develop that personal relationship with God. It's, it's an amazing thing. So you can see it up on the screen. Just say, I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me. Yeshua, I declare and proclaim that you are my Lord. I dedicate my life to you. A simple prayer but if it's from your heart, and it's really what you desire, God will change your life.
If that's you, then I'm asking you to speak to me at the end of service or call our office during the week so that we can give you a present to bless you on your journey with the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you and worship you, Lord. Lord, as long as there are people, there's fear. There's concern about what other people think. And there's all sorts of excuses and reasons. But you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, Father, I ask, Lord, that you would help us come out of our shell. You would help us to be bold for you. You would help us to have the faith to know that you will put the words in our mouth. You'll even show us the people that we should be sharing with. You'll be directing our way. Lord, how often do we have to say this scripture and ask you to place it in the deepest part of our heart that we want to trust in you with all our heart. We don't want to lean on our own understanding. In everything we do, we want to acknowledge you. And you've promised to direct our ways, make our path straight. And so, Lord, we pray, Father, that if we take that one step out of the boat, you will catch us, you will meet with us, and we will have faith to change the world by starting to change one person or many at this Gasparilla event. I pray that not only that, but during this week we will share with people. We will, we will see that God gives us tremendous opportunities daily to share. Help us to stop what we're doing, to take the time to care about people who are in darkness, who need the light, your light. I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen.